Hello and welcome into Main Street Preps this week. I'm Russell Nosey, joined again by Tyler Palmatier this week after he was out last week at the TWSAA Board of Control meeting and in what was probably one of our busiest weeks of coverage that we've had in quite a long time. Right, Tyler? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That was kind of a convergence week, just a little bit of everything going on as we shook wrestling off. So uh, still a couple more pretty busy weeks to come. That's right. This week is one of them, and uh, we're going to talk to... Today, we're going to talk to Brentwood Academy football coach Jacob Gill, who was recently hired uh, there to take over that program. And we're going to have the second half of the show talking basketball, all the state tournament action that's been going on. Uh, the D2 tournaments are in the books. And then we've got the girls' state tournament going on this week, the boys' state tournament going on next week. So um, some, some great stuff happened there on the, the hardwood in Murfreesboro. Uh, but before we get going, I want to, want to remind everybody that this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. All right, let's go ahead and bring in Jacob Gill now via phone. Jacob, thanks for joining us. Guys, I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me on. You bet. And Jacob, it's been about a month now since you were introduced as the new Eagles coach. How are things going so far in these these first couple of weeks on the job? Fast. Uh, if you made me pick one word, I'd say fast. Um, but very, very good. So we're we're in the middle of finishing out our staff. Uh, we just released our schedule uh, for the 2023 season earlier uh, this week on Monday. So that's been finalized. We're in the process of getting out our spring football information. Those dates have been finalized and then going through and, and finalizing our summer training schedule um, with our scrimmages in the preseason and all that. So, uh, between that and then obviously me, I, I'm kind of in transition right now, going back and forth between Arkansas and Tennessee. Um, so I've, everything on the professional side for sure, and then everything on you know on the family side, trying to find a place to live and getting our kids taken care of, my kids finishing school, all of those fun things. We've got a we're spinning a lot of plates right now, but we're having a lot of fun doing it. Hey, Jacob, going back to when you first, uh, you know arrived at BA, you know, for that first time to, to scope things out, what was your first impression getting on that campus there and specifically sort of taking in all the tradition that, that Brentwood Academy has in its past? Yeah, you bet. I think you kind of hit the word I was going to use. I think you can kind of feel um, the tradition on the campus. Obviously it's a beautiful campus, beautiful facilities. Uh, but I think when you, when you get around the people in the building, um, when you get around Kurt Masters and Jason Matthews um, and the rest of the leadership team there, I think you you feel the expectation, not in a bad way, in a great way. Um, you know what you're walking into. There's been a lot of great football played long before I got hired. There's been a lot of great head coaches and coaching staffs there long before I got hired. And so I think there's, there's a weight um, to that, but in a very, very good way where there is a high expectation and it's a high expectation because of the people who are currently in the room, but it's also a high expectation because of the people who came before us. And, and we know what that looks like and we know what's been accomplished there over the last 54 years. And our job is to be great stewards of that tradition, to grow the program in all the areas that we can and to continue to leave a legacy that the people who come after us will look back of and be thankful for that we did it the right way while we were there. Jacob, let's go back in time with you just a little bit here. Um, when did you know that coaching football was going to be uh, an, an important part of your career path? 
Was there a moment in time that sticks out to you and that kind of dawned on you? I think there's, there's probably two moments in time really for me. One was when I was in high school, I went through a period of time there where I, I grew up, well, a little background. I grew up in a single parent home. We lived very, very close to my grandfather and grandmother. When I was 12 years old, I loved sports. I grew up playing every single sport you could possibly play. I also kind of viewed my coaches as as those father figure type people for me, those positive male influences. So I always had great rapport in that regard with my coaching, my coaching staffs and coaches that I played for when I was growing up. But my grandfather was kind of that father figure for us. Uh, he passed away when I was 12. And I think I told someone this in a, in a different interview, but I don't remember just a ton of the the minute by minute details of, of how that week kind of played out. But what I do remember is when I was in, that was when I was in sixth grade, my brother was in ninth grade. So my brother was barely part of a high school program. He was getting ready to be a sophomore. I was getting ready to be a seventh grader. What I do remember is the day after my grandfather passed, the entire high school football coaching staff came over to my grandmother's house and they just sat with us and they loved on us. They invested in us. They helped step into that gap on, on our behalf and, and, and really worked with us and were available for us. And I think I, as I grew up and got older, I heard some more of those background stories along the way of how those coaches helped. And so I remember very vividly going, I don't know what it looks like in particular, but I want to be able to invest and help other kids the way these guys have helped invest in me. And so I, I at, at that point, did I know it was probably coaching, probably could lean pretty heavily to that. And then the second one was I, I ended up going to college and played baseball in college, kind of chased the baseball dream a little bit. And I remember playing uh, in a game where I, I saw some pretty high-level guys on the mound, and I did not have high-level success that day and realized, you know what? This playing thing's probably not going to be the ticket, and if I want to stay in athletics, I better get in the coaching thing. And so, I, again, I was very fortunate. I had great relationships with my, my college coaches and, and coaches in the area, and I love athletics. I love competing, but I also love the relational side of it, being able to invest and, and help grow up the next generation of, of people in our country and invest in them in a positive way. So I think coaching in particular provides that opportunity. And then when, when I got an opportunity to be able to do that at a place like Brentwood Academy with obviously their rich football tradition, but also just what they believe in as a school, the academic standards at that school, the connections within the Nashville area. I think, you know, if you, if you asked someone at Brentwood Academy, I think you can go to Brentwood Academy and you can go wherever you want from there because the school has a very rich history of athletic and academic success. They're there, the mission, the academic support that's there. It's a great environment to be in if you love high expectations, but also a high amount of of support along the way and and a group of people who are trying to row the same boat in the same direction. Uh, That was a very long winded answer, but knew pretty early I wanted to do something where I could invest in the lives of others. And and when an opportunity like Brentwood Academy came up, I couldn't pass it up. 
Jacob, having a, though you lost your grandfather at, at kind of a young age, um, how did how did your grandfather, while you knew him, shape who you are today as somebody who's a father? You bet. I think there's a lot. He was he was equal parts uh, challenging. Uh, he he held my brother and I accountable. Uh, we helped work on a we had a eight chicken house farm and about 200 head of black Angus cattle. So there's a lot of life lessons learned before you're 12 years old when you're working on a farm most days. And so he did a great job of of challenging us to grow, but he also loved on us and nurtured us. And he showed us that being a real man is not the the fake bravado, chest pounding, prideful ego things. It's the getting up, going to work, providing for your family, serving your neighbor, helping without having to ask to be part of the help and, and finding ways to make things better. Cause he also, he served on the school board. He was a school board president in the town that I grew up in long before I was born, but just investing in the community around him. And again, as I grow older and I, I visit with people who knew my grandfather before I was born, it's obvious to see the kind of impact and legacy that he'd left, but it was mostly surrounded by the way he treated other people and watching him love on my grandma, but also watching him love on my mom and love on me and my brother and the, the willingness to invest in our lives, obviously holding us accountable and showing us and setting an example of what it looks like, but also loving us in a way that, that grew us and nurtured us and encouraged us. I think I learned a lot from that. And I think I try my best to, to do that in my family. And, and set that example for my family of things to go to work today, get up and, and face two hard things. That's one of the things that my grandfather and I do hard things. And the reason you can that in that mentality to fight through and, and be willing to go through some adverse situations. Those are some of the same conversations that my wife and I have had in our house with our three boys is, is this a challenging thing for us to do to pick up and move away from, from home and, and everything we've known? Yeah, it absolutely is. But we know that just because it's a challenge and just because there's moments where it can be difficult doesn't mean it's not a good thing and doesn't mean it's not the right thing. And so I think that's, that's something that I learned from him is to not be deterred by adversity. Obviously, we we acknowledge when things are difficult, but we don't let the surrounding circumstances dictate how we lead our lives. And Jacob, you had quite a bit of success as the defensive coordinator at Shiloh Christian in Arkansas. You uh, you were on the staff when the school won their 2020 Class 4A mm-hmm. state title. How did that experience at Shiloh Christian, another story program like Brentwood Academy, uh, help pres- you know prepare you for this opportunity that you've got here now in the Nashville area? Yeah, it's it's been the best training ground I could have ever imagined. Again, there's a lot of similarities when you when you look at Shiloh and when you look at Brentwood Academy. There's a lot of similarities there. I think it starts with great leadership. Uh, the leadership team here at Shiloh Christian has been phenomenal and they're very like-minded 
in the same regards as Brentwood Academy. They they understand what it means to stay true to your mission and be who you are, but also to find ways to chase excellence in the academic world and also in the athletic world and the performing arts world. So I think it starts with that that leadership that's here at the school. And then it starts with the leadership within the program. Jeff Conaway is one of, if not the best head coaches I've ever been around in my entire life. He knows what it takes to develop a program, invest in a program, not just on the high school side, but how far can you reach down in your program and start developing kids so that when they get to high school, that they're as prepared as they can possibly be to help you on the field on Friday night. And then the way Coach Conaway, he invested in me and gave me opportunities within the program and said, hey, yeah, you're the D.C., you're in charge of the defense, but I also want you to help do this, and I want you to help do this, and I want you to help do this, and provided me some of those kind of head coach in training opportunities to take some things and run with it. And, of course, there were times where I was I was successful in some of those things, and there were times I was unsuccessful, but I always knew Coach Conaway – he knew where I wanted to be eventually in my career. And so he was willing to walk with me through that. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned in my time at Shiloh, whether it's on the academic side or the athletic side, the final product that people see, whether it's a a game on Friday night or a junior high game on a Thursday or anything else, there's so much preparation and planning and legwork investment that goes into that final product long before you see the final product. And I think when you look at the success we've had during the six years I've been at Shiloh Christian, yes, we've had really good players. Yes, we've had really good coaches. But I think the organizational structure and the planning and the the intentional preparation that goes into the football program long before we start fall camp in August I think those are the things that I've learned from being inside the program that goes, yes, we've been successful, but there's a lot of reasons and a lot of work that goes into that final product long before that win on Friday night happens. Jacob, you're inheriting a really good offensive player in George McIntyre, and that might that might be the understatement of the year there. Uh, he's the number two 2025 quarterback in the nation in 247 sports rankings. And what's been your evaluation of George so far through film and the times you've been able to meet? You bet. Well, I think the first thing that jumps off is, man, he is an absolute competitor. I've seen him I've seen him on tape, obviously with football, but I've got to watch him play basketball probably six or seven times. I was up this weekend, got to watch the semifinal game and the state championship game. And he's a competitor. And I think that is is sometimes a little bit underrated or underscored with some guys who are highly talented. Uh, and I don't think and George is highly talented, but I don't think he coasts on his talent. I think he goes out and competes, and that's one thing. I was watching the game with Cody White, the former head coach at Brentwood Academy, and he said, and when it comes down to it, that guy knows how to win. And that's so why I think that just speaks to his competitive nature. And I think also sometimes when you get a kid who's got the size that he has at the age that he has, sometimes it takes a little bit to grow into the body. And kids experience a, a pretty large growth spurt in their young, adolescent, pre-teenage or early teenage years 
it can take a little bit of time for them to get accustomed to that. But I think George probably doesn't get enough credit for as good of an athlete as he is. I mean, I know he's he's got the size. Obviously, he's got the big arm and all of those things, and those are all assets we plan on using. But I think he's really athletic, too. You watch him run up and down the basketball court, guard guys in a pick-and-roll setting, playing in space, and, and being able to jump and rebound and defend and challenge and block shots and get out and handle the ball. And, like, he's a multifaceted athlete, and I, I think that's one of the other things that really has stood out to me so far is not only does this guy have talent, we all see that, his competitive nature is, is pretty apparent. And I think his athleticism at, on a whole is, is pretty impressive, especially for his, for his age and his size. And I think the last thing is, you know, when you talk, I've talked to guys who have been on the staff prior to me getting there, talked to some of the basketball staff, talked to some of the people in the building. I think his character is really high. I think he's the kind of person you want leading your team. And I think he's the kind of person that other guys want to play with. And so I think that bleeds into all those things we're going to ask him to do from a quarterback standpoint. Yeah, we want him to be able to be a great decision maker. We want him to be able to put us in advantaged situations and explosive plays on offense. But we also want him to be the kind of leader where guys step in the huddle and they look him in the eye and they go, this is the guy we're riding with. And I think George has already done a lot to earn that trust and respect from his fellow teammates. And Jacob, with that in mind, uh, obviously you're coming from the defensive side of the ball. Um, so I'm sure this is the question you get asked a lot, but have you hired an offensive coordinator yet? We have reached an agreement with an offensive coordinator. It is not public yet, uh, but we do have an offensive coordinator we've reached an agreement with who's going to be very much aligned with, with what – we want to be offensively. A lot of it's going to look uh, very, very similar as far as the presentation on the field. There will obviously be some some tweaks and some different things that happen out there, but we, we do have one yet. We just have not gone public with it yet. It sounds like whoever that person is, they, uh, they're walking into a great situation, being able to work with George and all the other skill players that you guys have there. So, uh, Jacob, we really appreciate yeah, he, all the insight. Uh, go ahead. No, as you say, yeah, that's that's one of the things that, that through the process of identifying who we wanted the office coordinator to be that, that we talked about is, yes, obviously, George and everything he brings to the table. But I think when you look up and down the roster and you, you look at what's returning on the offensive line, you look at what's returning at wide receiver, I think, yeah, obviously, George – catches a lot of the attention and deservedly so, but I think this, the, the other players as well, um, I think we're going to, we're going to have a chance to be pretty good up front. I think we've got some young uh, skill guys in the backfield and, and outside that have a chance to be explosive as well. So I think it's a combination of all of those when he and I were kind of going through the process and looking and, and watching tape from last year and evaluating the roster and saying, Hey, I think, yeah, obviously we got a good trigger man back there, but there's also some really, really good players in addition to George that we've got a chance where we can get the ball to a lot of different guys, hopefully a lot of different ways in, in an effort to be as explosive and as efficient on offense as possible. So we're, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll, that'll be fun to watch. And Jacob, thanks again for all your time today. We appreciate the insight and uh, good luck as you guys get rolling here and, uh, 
trying to find a place to live and all that. I know that can be hectic. So we appreciate you taking a few <laughs> minutes out of your day for us. Well, I appreciate y'all's time. Let me know if you need anything else. And, and again, thank you for the opportunity. You bet, coach. That has been new Brentwood Academy football coach, Jacob Gill. We're going to take a quick break now and then come back with some basketball state tournament talk. So stick around. It was just a few drinks. I'm good. I thought it was good. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Hey, I can hold my liquor. Thought I could hold my liquor. Hockey in Music City just hits different. It's one big honky tonk party. It's the sea of gold in the crowd. The goals, the saves, the celebrations. It's an experience like no other. Don't miss a minute of the action this season. Visit NashvillePredators.com slash tickets to get your seats today. That's NashvillePredators.com slash tickets. And we'll see you at Brimstone Arena. All right, let's dig into some basketball state tournament talk. The Division II championships are in the books. And Tyler, we got to see those titles get handed out on Saturday at Tennessee Tech. Web School, three wins in a row for them in the Division II single-A girls uh, division. That is, I mean, that is something we expected. But, man, they they really rolled to a win there of a Middle Tennessee Christian and established them um, as the probably the best team. Uh, it, well, definitely the best team in our area and possibly the best team in the state, possibly one of the best teams in the, in the country. And then Innsworth fell short uh, despite 41 points from Jelani Cambridge. They were right there with Knoxville Catholic, just couldn't quite pull it out at the end. And then on the boys' side, we got a clean sleep sweep for national area teams with good pasture and Brentwood Academy both pulling out wins. Tyler, any quick takeaways from those games? Um, yeah, I think Webb really, I guess what got me thinking was I'd love to see them against the the D2 AA champion. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where – we, I don't know that I still think Webb probably has enough talent to, to beat anybody, any girls team in the state. But when you, until you play those games and I, I think when Webb's challenged a little bit, we don't really know how they would respond to that because they've been so good and they've deserved that. So uh, I don't know. That would be interesting. I thought the Innsworth game was awesome with Sydney Maines and Jelani Cambridge going at it. Uh, anytime you just have two of the best players in the state two two Ms. basketball finalists, just going blow for blow. I mean, in any game, the two, two of the best players in the state just answering each other back and forth. I thought that was a lot of fun, even though the score wasn't super high. I mean, it's not like we played an offensive – they played an offensive classic necessarily, but I thought the two players going at it was uh, was, was a lot of fun. And um, I didn't cover that Brentwood Academy game, but good to see them get that championship. That was a, a monkey on their back for a couple of years after some tough finishes. And uh, certainly, I guess it looked like good pasture Clarksville Academy in the in the semis was the state championship game. Um, and it looked all the, it looked a hundred percent like one when you think about how it went down. Uh, so it was, a, it was a pretty good weekend in Cookville, I thought. Yeah. And man, for good pasture, getting Isaiah West back from injury made all the difference. He had that game winning free throw against Clarksville Academy, got the MVP of the state championship game. So great way for him to go out with the, with good pasture before he heads off to Vanderbilt next season. Uh, the girls 
Division one tournaments aren't going to be quite as busy for us this week. There's not as many Nashville area teams still in the running. Um, there are several kind of on the fringe of our coverage area in the upper Cumberland Cookville area. Um, and, and that area could very well produce a state champion. Um, but big win last night for Green Hill. They uh, eliminated Clarksville with a 55-54 win. And uh, speaking of good pasture, former good pasture coach Joseph Simmons doing an incredible job in his first year with the Lady Hawks. They lost 16 games this year, uh, but they found a, a way to win the right ones. That you know they lost the district championship and the region championship games to Cookville, which is also a team that is uh, playing Blackman today, actually, in, in what should be a fascinating uh, elimination game there in the quarterfinals. But um, for Green Hill to be here with an 18 and 16 record now in the final four in the, uh, you know, the, in the biggest classification of public school uh, girls basketball is pretty impressive. So hats off to them and we'll see if they can keep the Cinderella run going. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really impressive what's happened there. And I think it kind of shows you between that three team mix of green Hill uh, Hillsboro and Brentwood uh, that's an interesting finish there in the in the region and sectional games because I, w- with Green Hills win yesterday, obviously you're looking at either one of those three teams looking capable of getting to that semifinal. You had three semifinal teams uh, worthy there, it looked like, and then two of them obviously go home without getting there. So uh, interesting finish there. I think when you look at the girls brackets this week, uh, some you know it's almost disappointing in a way. You've got some really good matchups here in the first round. I mean. Uh, you know, looking at two a uh, Thursday, for instance, Westview and York Institute, three losses between them uh, matched up in the first round. You've got Cookville and Blackman today. That's like a state, you know, that's like a state championship game. And obviously, yesterday in three a, uh, not quite as close a game as I think people anticipated. But Upperman and Jackson Southside on paper, uh, three three losses between the two of them, both thirty win teams. So it's kind of tough when you've got those matchups early that you wish were were a little bit later. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens the rest of the way here uh, in those championships. But, I mean, certainly today it's going to be a good one. You know, it's about underway right now, but uh, Blackman-Cookville certainly looks like like a really good one on paper too. And then looking ahead to the boys' tournament next week, those matchups were set after Monday night sectionals. Um, Metro Nashville is going to be well represented, Tyler. We've got Hillsboro, MLK Magnet, and Pearl Cone all advancing. And if we go back to one of these podcasts – a couple months ago, I remember asking the question after football season with, um, you know, Metro football really had a banner year with, with all the teams that got as far as they did Pearl Cone and East Nashville, both in the state championship games. Now a few years removed from that really messed up COVID year or post COVID year where the teams couldn't practice as much and some players transferred away. And it really put a lot of those athletic pro- programs behind the eight ball. Uh, but this year that was different with football. And I, I asked the question, maybe the same could happen with basketball. And here we are with three boys teams in the state tournament. Yeah, and good for uh, for MLK for getting over a hump, a uh, team that was that was really close last. And then I think we kind of thought Pearl or East would get through there. I think we all <laughs> thought it was going to be East. So it was an interesting little wrinkle there at the end. But uh, Pearl and East had been played some close games all season, so maybe we shouldn't be too surprised in that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with those three. Uh, definitely some tough roads to get there, but. Um, it's always fun when teams that are just right in the city are in the mix. Um, I hope, I hope they get a ton of support this week. Yeah. And Hillsborough and independence are on opposite sides of the bracket. That was a great uh, region champ or uh, yeah. Region championship game last week. So you never know that could happen again, if they're both able to, to get through on each side. And um, 
like you said, the class two A might be wide open now that East East Nashville's out, and this could be Pearl Cone's chance to to get in there. So that'll be that'll be something to keep an eye on. And lastly, also want to give a shout out to Fairview. They pulled off a bit of a stunner getting to Murfreesboro. Uh, I think you know it was easy to write them off after they lost their leading scorer, Maze McCoy, to a season-ending knee injury. But um, that and that happened late in the postseason too. But uh, they they got there, and so um, they'll be right there with independence as the two Williamson County teams in uh, the state tournament. So pretty, pretty cool story there. Yeah. And then you, I mean, with Pearl uh, kind of, I guess if you can get past that first round game, you, it, you know, could you play a Fairview team that's uh, had a great run, but maybe uh, has, you know, without, without their top player, one of their top players, how does that change? Maybe a, a, a state tournament game in a semifinal, if those two were to match up, it's definitely a little more open with East Nashville out. So it'll be a, It'll be interesting to see how far Pearl can, can go. Have uh, that program hadn't won uh, a state tournament game since 1998, so uh, that'd be a big deal. Yeah, be a lot of fun to see if they can uh, keep it going. So before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody that this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Be sure to keep up with MainStreetPreps.com all week. We'll have the girls' tournament covered this week, the boys' tournament covered next week, and uh, we'll see you next time here on Main Street Preps this week.